Hello, thank you for joining us today for the Harvest Time Church weekly podcast. As you listen today, we pray that you are richly blessed and that the message would guide you deeper into your walk with Jesus and help you to advance his kingdom here on earth. Have a blessed day. All right. The more I serve the Lord, the better and better he gets. You know, let us never get to the place of where we think for one moment we got God figured out or that we've seen enough or we've tasted enough. But he wants to continually show us who he is over the course of a lifetime. And then I wonder when we get to heaven if we'll realize how dim our vision was for the magnitude of who he really was. But let us not not search him out and not seek him out in this lifetime because he wants to show us his goodness. Amen? Amen. So this last week, we wrapped up an awesome series of evangelism, of, uh, of just looking at, at many different things that we really feel like will catapult you forward in your evangelistic skills. So if you missed any of those, please go back. We, we have those on our podcast. We have them on our Facebook Live, and you can go back and, and watch those, um, those episodes. Now, know that those episodes, those podcasts, they are not to replace the corporate gathering. I don't want to, I don't know how I can say that enough that if, you know, if you're working or you're traveling or you're sick, praise God for technology, allows you to stay in the vein of what we're doing and get you as close to you, as close to the real thing as possible. But there's nothing that like the corporate gathering. Um, Now, I I don't know what y'all experienced in worship on the stream this morning. Uh, Maybe it was awesome, but I'll tell you what, it was awesome here. Okay, so we know that that stream is kind of a gleaning of the service. So we're believing that, you know, the same power, the same anointing uh, to some measure is being received by the individuals. But let me, let me encourage you, when you're in the house, there's just a different mantle of anointing that God wants to do in, in and through that corporate gathering. There is nothing like it. Um, so this morning, we are going to jump into a four-week series covering the book of Philippians. So now that's something I have never really ventured to do in the course of my time as a pastor. I know it's really necessary. And so guess what? If you're not a, not a reader of the Bible, guess what? In four weeks, you're going to go through the whole book of Philippians, and you can check that off your list. <laughs> Right? You say, well, I read here and I read there. I've never read through a whole book. Well, guess what? There's some really, really short ones that can boost that confidence before you get to the really, really long ones. Or God forbid you start in Leviticus or somewhere back there and that's your first one. You're like, Lord Jesus, help me, right? You know, but uh, I believe that there are things through Scripture that, that when we read Scripture and we look at it, there's something that only Scripture can do. Now, as we go through this, let me tell you what. If I were to read Philippians chapter 1 10 times... Every time I read it, because it is, it is inspired by the Holy Spirit, it is sharp and it is effective, I may get 10 different things every time I read it. So this isn't a book that you read from beginning to end and then you say, you know what, man, that was an awesome novel, that was an awesome story, and you put it on the shelf and you say, hey, I've done, been there, done that. This is a book that is alive and active and is needed for the course of your life. Okay, so every time we read it, we can believe and we know that Scripture says it is God-inspired, it is effective. It actually divides the soul and the spirit. Man, that sounds pretty effective to me. That, uh, that it really begins to just weigh the motives of the heart. There's sometimes I'll read scripture and I don't like reading it sometimes. And I'm like, Lord, 
You're convicting me. You're showing something in my own heart that I need to deal with. But that's what the word does. It causes us to become Christ-like. It sets the standards. It teaches. It rebukes. It corrects. It enlightens. It shows us, shows us, shows us all of these things. So I'm hoping as we go through this book of Philippians, there's going to be nuggets that, uh, that stand out. As I'm sharing a few things, you may get other things. I want to encourage you, try to pay, pay attention to the things that I'm going to highlight because I'm telling you, as you read through it in a, in a large sum, you will have all kinds of God nuggets come out of that. And if that's never happened to you, I pray that today is the day that that opens up in your life to where you start having an understanding of the word and in, in the richness of it. So um, we're going to, like I said, take a four-week study of the book of Philippians. And this morning, I want to look at the title, the background, who it was written by, the theme of the book, and then we'll jump into chapter one. So when any time that you look at a book of the Bible, it's important to know the time frame, the author, the context, kind of getting a summary of it. Now, some books of the Bible, they're, they're long and they're really in-depth. It's really hard to get a focus of what it is. But I believe that in the book of Philippians, we can do that. Now, I want to encourage you. Why is it important, Pastor Noe, to read through a whole chapter, to read through a whole book? There's a few things that it does. It allows you to read it in, a, in its context, which we know that anything read in its context helps you get a more accurate understanding of what the Scripture says. Because I can take a Scripture and apply it to anything, but it's important to know when was that Scripture applied and what context was it written around. Now, there are some Scriptures that will work, kind of fit in multiple spots and you know, faith is faith and you can use faith for anything, right? You know, but there are sometimes it's specific to the context. And when we read it in its entirety, we get that. How many of you like teaching style preaching? We're going to get a little bit of that this morning with a little bit of inspiration and a little bit of flavor. So it's going to be a little bit different. Okay. We're not going to stick on the whole historical side long, but I want you to stick with me because I think this is going to be helpful for you. Um, so we want to keep it in, in its context. So in the New Testament, there's 21 books. And of those 21 books written, there were letters or epistles, which many were written by Paul. So Philippians was written by Paul. So the Gospels are wrapped up as Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John. That's four of them. Then you have the Acts of the Apostles in Acts 1. And then you have the epistles or the letters, which there's 21 in the New Testament. And then you have Revelations, which is the Apocalypse written by John. It's the end time stuff. If you've never read Revelations, you'll... It's, it's like a novel. It's like you start reading, it's like, really? This is crazy stuff. Like, this is in the Bible. It's some, but it's an apocalypse time of when Jesus comes back and all of the good luck working that one out. It's very, it's, it's, very, it's very complex, but it's really interesting. But let me tell you what, God would not have put it in there if it wasn't important. Okay, so we want to realize that just because you don't understand it doesn't mean that it's not important. But we're going to start with Philippians because guess what? We can understand that one. Simple concepts. It focuses on, on personal things that you can apply right now. Okay, so the title in the background. So Philippians was written during Paul's first Roman imprisonment, and it's known as the prison letters. So the prison letters also along with Ephesians, Colossians, and Philemon, they were all written while he was in prison. Now, how many of you know... I'm writing a, a letter in prison, okay? So, so, so just remember that. So the, he was writing to the church in Philippi, and he sent, uh, and he, he, Paul was sent gifts by a guy named Epaphrodites. So he was the messenger that brought gifts to him while he was in prison. Now, give you some backstory. Epaphrodites had become sick in Rome, so he was, on a, he was trying to hurry and get back to the Philippian church. And so Paul said, whoa, 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 wait just a minute. Let me write you a letter to take back to the church in Philippi, which therefore we get 
get the name? <coughs> Philippians, okay? So get the context. It just wasn't random. So he, he writes the letter and, and he expresses his gratitude for their love and their help. So this letter that he wrote that he wrote was really genius. And any time we don't know who the author is, when we look at the first entry point, uh, we can kind of get that. And like I said, it starts with Paul and Timothy, servants of Christ Jesus. So it tells us that Paul was the author. Paul wrote it. Um, now this was written, the, the estimated, widely accepted. Now this is scholars. This is not Pastor Noe. And guess what? When a scholar says it, it's better than Pastor Noe saying it, right? But it says it was, it was written about 61 AD, so 61 years after the death of Christ. And this book of Philippians is a book of joy. Now, this is interesting to me because Paul was in prison, yet this is called the message of joy. All right? So we're going to jump right in, and, and we're going we're gonna to break it into passages and sections. I'm going to read the passage of Scripture, and then we're going to break it apart and look at what it says, okay? So if you see somebody start head bobbing, just use that God-glorifying elbow, elbow to help your, your neighbor to your right and your left. So the first passages we're going to look at in that uh, Philippians 1, it's going to be verses 1 through 11. Now in this 1 through 11, we see Paul's thank, thanksgiving, we see a prayer, and we see his affections towards the Philippian church, okay? So be looking for that as we read through this. So starting in uh, Philippians 1, chapter 1, verse 1, it says, Paul and Timothy, servants of Christ Jesus, to all the saints in Christ Jesus who are at Philippi with the overseers and the deacons, grace to you and peace from God our Father and the Lord Jesus Christ. I thank God in all of my remembrance of you. Verse 4, it says, always in every prayer of mine for you all making my prayer with joy because of your partnership in the gospel from the first day until now. I am sure of this, that he who began a good work in you will bring it into completion at the day of Jesus Christ. It is right for me to feel this way about you all because I hold you in my heart for you are all partakers with me of grace, both in my imprisonment and in the defense and confirmation of the gospel. For God is my witness, how I yearn for all with the affections of Christ Jesus. And it is my prayer that your love may abound more and more with knowledge and all discernment so that you may approve what is excellent and so be pure and blameless for the day of Christ, filled with the fruit of righteousness that comes through Jesus Christ to the glory and praise of God. Okay? So... How many of you got something out of that? Someone's, or how many of you said, Lord Jesus, let him break it down for me because I don't know what just happened. Okay, so some of you, as we read through that, there were little things that already stood out that God showed you. So, you know, when we're reading it, we want to be expecting to get what is the word saying? What are the actions? What's being said? So I'm going to help you out. So let's look at this as we break down that scripture. So we know that it is to the church in Philippi. And it says that um, this, this really, it gets, it's building the framework of what a healthy church should look like. Let me give you that little nugget. So it says to the saints in Jesus. So it's talking to the church. It's talking about the overseers who are what? The elders. And it's talking about the deacons. So some of you say, Pastor Noe, why do you have elders? Hmm. Scriptural, right? You know, we, you know, you know. Some people have boards, some people have committees. Guess what? We have deacons and we have elders. Now, some of you say we ain't ever seen no deacons. They're all around us. I just hadn't officialized them yet. It's on my, it's my, on my agenda. We just have not got there yet. We've been working on making sure that our elder ranks are established before our deacon ranks are established. But we have the church, we have elders, and we have deacons. And then it says, "I thank God every time I remember you." Now, how many of you know if a pastor says, "When I think of you," 
you. I have good thoughts towards you. I am, I smile, I am filled with joy. It says, I have good thoughts and feelings towards the church. How many of you know that's probably a good sign? Rather than saying, every time I pray for y'all, <laughs> Lord Jesus, help me, right? You know, because it, it, can, it, can, it can be two-sided, right? You know, there can be a love and there can be a healthy relationship or there can be dissension or there can be a lack of understanding that pastoral authority and therefore the pastor's frustrated because there's no submission to authority and, and I don't trust the elders and I don't don't like the deacons and this was not the case we are seeing in the church of philippi a healthy dynamic between the apostle paul the church the elders and the deacons it says a healthy and happy there's a healthy and happy community of believers it says praying in joy this is how he prays he prays in joy when paul thinks of the church in philippi and the church in Philippi, it was with Paul from the first day until the time the letters were written. So, you know, you know how sometimes everybody has to start somewhere. Now, Pastor Noe's from Bay City, so this, these are my roots. This is where I started. You know, it was kind of the same thing where he started the ministry. It was one of the first churches, some of the first churches that before Paul was known as Paul. They were with him from the beginning, and they were faithful. They were a blessing. They were an encouragement. And it, we see in this passage that the, he actually sent, you know, was sent a gift while he was in prison from that church. So if Pastor Noe's ever in prison, throw some love, right? You know, we see, we see that affection. He wasn't forgotten. He wasn't like, ah, nobody knows. There, there, was, there was a longing for that relationship even then when it was absent. So we see what the church of Philippi was, a healthy one. But there was also partnership in the gospel, if we look at some of that wordage, it says from the first day until now in verse five. So the church was partnering with Paul. Paul was an apostle of the growing church. Now, let me give you a definition of what an apostle is. Um, nowadays, sometimes everyone's apostle. I can apostolize myself and become an apostle. This is by definition what an apostle is. It's one who has been called to plant churches, has oversight of multiple churches, has, has verified church plants and spiritual sons in the ministry. Um, who is recognized by other apostles and meets the biblical qualification of an elder. So in an essence, he is a father in the faith. You know, if you have somebody just Joe Schmo right here who's a self-ordained apostle and there is no credibility what he has done or who he is mentoring or what church, you know, it, it's not. You know, and we got to be careful with that. You know, it's funny nowadays when it's like, hey, what's your name? Well, I'm Apostle Bishop Reverend da 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 so what are you? I don't know. They just gave me that name, right? They kept throwing titles on there. But we see that Paul was given a title with, with the resume to prove that he was an apostle. Okay? All right, so keep cruising. In verse 7, it says, it is right to feel this way. So he longed with them with affection. And it says, with the affections of Christ Jesus. So Paul's motive towards the people were that of Jesus' love for people. This was genuine. This was sincere. Remember, we're talking about, you know, this is what the healthy church dynamic should look like. So we see that he says with that affection of Jesus. So do we really long for each other when we're separated from each other? Now, we just, I'm going to say survived COVID. Some people trying to bring it back up. I think it just needs to stay where it's at and we need to move on with it. But, you know, when we were separated from each other, was there a longing for each other? Was there a passion to say, man, I can't wait not to go back to normal, but to have fellowship with other believers? You know, did we think about people, you know, personally? Was it not just like, well, you know, like, I just want to do something different, so I guess I'll go to church. No, was there a longing for the fellowship? Was there longing to be around your brothers and sisters in Christ? I'll tell you what. 
for, for us, COVID might have felt like prison. And I tell you what, when you're isolated and you're stuck, the things that matter most to you come to your mind. The things that don't really matter, yeah, you're not going to think about those, right? But what was on Paul's mind? His relationship with the church, the body of believers. That's what it was focused on. But do we really have this kind of love for each other when we're separated? Paul actually says, God can testify to this. So this wasn't, this was from his heart, not just from his words. Um, you know, and we've seen that from some people sometimes. Hey man, I love you. If you need anything, let me know. And you're like, yeah, right. But we've also seen, I think, people that are genuine. Hey, bro, if you need anything, call me. Hey, I'm here for you. I love you with all sincerity, right? So we see all these, a yearning for each other, a deep sincerity, a relationship with one another. And then then Paul goes on to say, there's a prayer that he prays. He says, my prayer for you is, so let's look at what he prays specifically. He says, my prayer for you is that your love abounds, which is overflowing more and more in what? In knowledge and in discernment. So it's important whenever he says, I want that you would grow in this and this. But what I love about scripture, it says grow in this and this because of, and then it points to something else. So in knowledge and in discernment, why did they need to grow in that? Listen, listen to this response, that you may be able to approve what is excellent. So it's to establish a standard. It's, it's, it's to establish a baseline of what is right, what is wrong, what is excellent. You know, if everything is great, then nothing's not. Right? Or, you know, like I think if we don't have a, we have to have a measuring stick of what is great, what is excellent. Okay? And it says that you may be pure and blameless until Jesus comes back. So I believe that the more we understand who Jesus is, the more we're changed by his glory, the more understanding, it says the word discernment, the more we become Christ like. And it says that you may be filled with the fruit of righteousness. And this comes through Jesus and it brings glory to God. Do you know that God wants you to change and look more Christ-like? Because it brings glory to who he is. You know, I think some of us are stuck over here that God is against us and just wants us to wallow in our sin and never be changed. That's what the devil wants you to think. That's what he wants you to do. But he wants you to be righteous, full of righteousness that comes only through Jesus. It's not self-merit. It's not something that I can do on myself, but it comes through Jesus. Guess what? If I receive Jesus, I got inside of me what it takes and what is necessary to, to have fruits of righteousness. And the whole goal is to what? Bring glory to God. That when people look at me and say, man, how'd you quit doing that? <laughs> well, let me tell you, it was the glory of God in my life. That if there's anything good seen in me, it's because of God's goodness in my life. To be pure, to be blameless. Now, I want to encourage you. It says in knowledge. How, how do we gain more knowledge? If you say playing video games, that ain't the case. Oh, I got some strategy skills playing video games. You know, my son and my brother and all these video, these, these lifetime gamers. Those aren't life skills. Well, I'll tell you what, YouTubers are making me think otherwise. You know, you know I looked at one YouTube link, 1.43 million subscribers. Man, and all they're doing is giving reviews of video games, right? But i tell you what, how many of you know that there is fruitful knowledge? And sometimes there's useless knowledge. You know, things that, you know, and Pastor Noe knows that I don't have enough good brain cells to lump some all the bad stuff with the good stuff. I got to just focus on what's most important because I am forgetful. 
So how do I learn? What, what knowledge should I be growing in? Happy you asked what the Word of God says, the truth about God, okay? And then the Spirit of God will give you discernment, what's right, what's wrong. So we see in these first few passages Paul's close relationship and relational connection between him and the church in Philippi. So keep on moving in this text. So Philippians 1, 12 through 26. So when we get to that passage of Scripture, so Paul is preaching in prison. So guess what? Just because he was in prison didn't mean that he quit preaching, but he continued to preach in, preach in prison um, with, a, with a prospect of the hope of being released and his readiness to die. Okay, so you're like, what are you talking about? This dude was ready to die? We'll see what the passage says. So let's read verses 12 through 20. It says, I want you to know, brothers, that what has happened to me has really served to advance the gospel, so that it has become known throughout the, the whole imperial guard and to all the rest that my imprisonment is for Christ. Verse 14, and most of my brothers, having become confident in the Lord by my imprisonment, are much more bold to speak the word without fear. Some indeed preach Christ out of envy and rivalry, because, but others from goodwill. The latter do it out of love, knowing that I am put here for the defense of the gospel. The former proclaim Christ out of selfish ambition, not sincere, sincerely, but thinking thinking to afflict me in my imprisonment. What then? Only that in every way, whether in pretense or in truth, Christ is proclaimed. And in that I rejoice. It says, yes, I will rejoice. For I know that through your prayers and the help of the spirit of Jesus Christ, uh, this will turn out for my deliverance as it is with my eager expectation and hope that I will not be ashamed at all. But that will, but but that with full courage now as always, Christ will be honored in my body, whether by life or by death. So we see in this first little section here an advancing of the gospel. Now it's it's funny to me that the world thinks that if they if they cause persecution or they imprison someone that it's going to hinder the gospel. Well, what happened in this passage? In his imprisonment, the gospel was excelled. It moved forward. It prevailed. It caused it. it so so let, let's look at what happened. It says the palace guard that they, they were aware of that his chains were for Christ. They say, hey, Paul, be quiet. Oh, Jesus, 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 right? You know, I don't know what he was doing to antagonize. I don't know what he was doing to communicate that. But he knew that, no, you don't hold me. You know, the only reason you've allowed it is because God's allowed it. And he, he was content. That was one of the things about Paul that never, you know, he was content with having a lot. He was content being in prison. But yet that never swayed him from what God had called him to. And that was preaching. So all of the, the palace guard knew about it. Everyone in the area. So others in the city of Rome who had met or heard of Paul knew, hey, Paul's in this prison, you know, and he's been shackled for Christ. Uh, so, so your stand for Christ will affect everyone around you if you'll stand boldly. So it doesn't only affect you, but it affects those around you. And those who hear about it, it will encourage them with the same intensity. It says, because of my chains, in, in verse 14, the brothers in Christ are becoming more courageous and fearless. Right? You know, it's like Braveheart or Gladiator. It only takes one guy to be bold and courageous, to stir up that bold, courageous spirit in others. Right? We can do it. Well, you go first. Okay. And they go first. And it's like, well, he didn't die, so I'm going to go. You know, I don't know what goes through our mind, but how many of you hate to go first? 
but pastor, I'll follow you, <laughs> right? You know, you go first, <laughs> you know? And I think that it was like that. You know, when they saw it, they said, man, if you're gonna do this, I can do this. If you're in prison and you're still preaching, man, I'm not even shackled right now. I'm gonna preach with urgency, right? There was this really excitement and it caused the, the gospel to go forth. It g- gained confidence in the Lord through Paul's imprisonment. So Martin Luther King Jr., he has this quote. He says, life isn't worth living until you have found something worth dying for. Now, Paul had this made up in his mind. He knew the cost of following Christ. If I live or if I die, my mission will be the same. He found something worth dying for. And he was walking it out, right? We might say right now, Lord, I praise you. I thank you for your goodness. You're not in jail right now. (laughs) God forbid we have to go there. But let me tell you what, it wasn't because of what Paul did wrong that he was imprisoned. It was because of what he did right. And we don't get that. We're like, well, surely. No, like he wasn't there because of dumb stuff. He got there because of dumb stuff. Learn your lesson and get out. Right. But I think in following God's plan for him, he was imprisoned. He was shipwrecked. He he had a crazy life. If you look at the backstory of Paul's life, you'll only learn all those stories. If you read the Bible, I'm not going to tell you all of them. So the persecution that Paul was experiencing was advancing the gospel. So the next little part that it talks about is this disputes about preaching of Christ. So this is verse 15 through 18. So it talks about envy and rivalry, selfish ambition, not not, not with sincerity, stirring up trouble, accusations actually preached against Paul. Now, there is, there is a, the scholars say that they actually were saying that Paul was imprisoned because he was so sinful and the Lord was chastising him. Now, if you talk to Paul, that ain't why he was there. He was there because of his unwavering testimony. But this is what we talk about, the, the, the stirring up trouble, the accusations against Paul. And then we have the other side of the coin. It says those preach with goodwill. So they were preaching with love, knowing the true reason for Paul's imprisonment. And Paul's response is this. Now, let, let me pause here just for a moment. How many of you have ever judged somebody's motive in preaching? Don't just keep your hands down. It's almost like, I got one. You know, because like, I, I think we do. The motive, and I think I would too as a pastor, say, man, you know, like this dude's kind of radical. Like, what is he doing? And, you know, so here is Paul's response to all of it. You know, he said, you know, what does it matter? You know, big question mark. You know, this was, you know, his response. He says, regardless of false motive or true that Christ is preached. Now, this was kind of one of the, okay, Lord, what are you talking about? Like, what, what's, what's, what's the point here? Um, regardless, Paul rejoiced in the fact that Christ was being preached, which was the most important thing. He didn't care about the accusations that came to him as long as the accusations coming to him were kind of compiled with biblical truth that would lead people to salvation. He knew the mission. He knew the call. And I think sometimes we get, we get distracted with this other person that we quit doing what God has called us to do because we're focusing on them. I had a personal experience about that just for a little while when I got in that judgmental, man, well, this person over here, what are they doing? And shouldn't this person be doing this over here? Man, it, it, it happened quick. And God reprimanded me. He says, no, did I call you to judge that man's work or to do what I've called you to do? I said, sir, yes, sir. I don't care what they're doing no more because there's so much that God has called me to do. I cannot be distracted with what other people are doing. And that was the motive of Paul. He said, I don't care. Are they preaching Christ? Well, yeah, but you don't know. No, if they're preaching Christ, it's enough. And he moved on. He knew what the mission was. He knew what the agenda was. 
So we, we see this. And then he also prays for the help of the spirit of Jesus Christ. Now we know from our Holy Spirit, who is this talking about? The spirit of Jesus Christ. This is Holy Spirit every single time, right? So we, he, was, he was believing and praying for deliverance. And, and, you know, he got to the place, you know, he said, you know, it doesn't matter. But he was believing for his deliverance. Now, that word deliverance is described as his well-being and escape. Okay, when we look at, look at that in passage. So with eager expectations and hope, this was his response. I will not be ashamed. Christ will be honored in my body through life or through death. You know, in the, in the, in the, in the gospels and in the Bible, man, they were radical. They got excited when they got to when, when they got to suffer with Christ. I'll tell you what, that is not Western culture philosophy. We're about comfort. We're about convenience now, I pray to God we don't reject God given a line in the sand of will you glorify him or will you reject him? You know, we've seen, we've seen this overseas and on the mission field of where, you know, people are, you know, being killed for their faith. But Western culture has this philosophy of, hey, blessed, highly favored, man, it's the best thing ever. They don't, they don't, they don't necessarily preach the sacrifice of following Christ. The suffering of following Christ. But let me tell you what, Paul had an understanding that when he chose to follow Jesus, he also chose to suffer. I'll tell you what, if you'll make up in your mind prior to the suffering, you can endure it. If you don't make up your mind when suffering comes, you're going to be like, wait a minute, Pastor Noe, when I had the altar call, you didn't tell me about that, right? You're going to freak out. We're not going to brace for it. We need to know that suffering for each of us is always different. Some of us have already maybe been in suffering. Maybe you're going through a health issue. Maybe you're dealing stuff with your children. You're like, Lord, this thorn in my side. Paul said the same thing. Why is this there? You know, Paul, scholars say that that thorn was put there to keep Paul humble. Mm -hmm. He was so gifted and so anointed, it could go to his head really, really easy. So it says that it was actually put there as a messenger of Satan from God. Go read that. Mm -hmm. Like, hold on. Good kind of doctrine. God put it there to humble him. So when we face things that are negative, if we're in prison like Paul, shaking shackles, see if it's God doing it or the devil doing it. Because then you'll know how to respond. If the devil did it, you can get all kinds of mad. If God did it, you need to stay content with the circumstances. Say, Lord, I will endure. I will survive. For the glory of God, I will make my stand. Because we think all the time, oh, that, that's the devil. Mm -hmm. That's the friction of the Lord rubbing off those rough edges of your life so that God can make a difference in your life. You want to say, Lord, make me more like you. Mm -hmm. All right. Through life or death. So how many of us have this response in my life or through my death? Will Christ be honored? I hope you make that choice and you make up your mind in life or death. I will serve the Lord. You need to decide now. You need to decide it while you're in the church. Right? When you're in the word and you're going through or in the world and you're going through it. That's not the time to say, okay, rock, paper, scissors, yes or no, flip a coin. Like, no, you need to make up your mind what stand you will take. 
because it'll get more difficult. Let's look at verses 21 through 26. So in verse 21, and most of us, is hurt, you know, is what's happening as we read this, there's, pas- there's passages that stand out. But sometimes, like I said, we don't read it in its entirety. So this first one, verse 21, for me to live, or for me to live is Christ and to die is gain. Verse 22, if I, if I am to live in the flesh, that means fruitful labor for me. Yet, which I, which shall I choose? I cannot tell. I am hard pressed between the two. My desire is to depart and be with Christ, for that would be far better. But to remain in the flesh is more necessary on your account. Convinced of this, I know that I will remain and continue with you all for the progress of, of joy in the faith, so that in me you may have ample cause to glory in Christ Jesus because of my coming to you again. So when we look at that passage, what, what has he determined? It's not his time to die. Now, I think sometimes we think it's our time to die, but if God has not said it is our time to die, man, pull your britches up, button your coat down, and hunker through the the hard part. Because we have to hear the voice of God in that. Right? You know, he could have very said, this is it, Lord. It's over. For the cause of Christ. But, you know, the Spirit of God came to him and said, this is not it. You know, he he restored his hope and he wrote it in a letter and said, hey, I'm going to come back. So have hope. So to live, what what did he say there? Fruitful labor for me to remain is beneficial for your account. You know, and and this has been one of the things that I've struggled with because in, in this past year, we have had men of faith pass away. And I said, Lord, surely there was more fruitful labor. There was more things that they could do for who? For me. There was still things for them to impart. Well, let me tell you, there's two things working. There's the plan of God, but then there's the timing of God. And one of the things that I've come to knowledge to, the moment we breathe our first breath, the sands of time is flipped over and it begins. Now, most of us hope and think there's plenty of sand in that hourglass. But God determines the amount of time that anyone should live in the moment in which they should die. And those ones where you're like, Lord, I don't understand it. I think God just says, trust me, the timing was done. When the timing's done, glory to God, I'm going to heaven. When there's still breath in my lungs, there's still work to do. And that's what Paul had determined. But you have to understand that, man, as long as there's granules of sand coming out, my life should be poured out as an offering to the Lord. May it be in blessed provision or may it be in sacrifice. May it be in the suffering of Christ. To die, he says, to depart, man, it would be, it would be better. It would be far better to be with Christ. So he wasn't naive to what heaven was, but he was waiting on the timing. He said, Lord, if it's time for me to go, I'll go. But if it's time for me to stay, I'll stay. So Paul determined to live a life, uh, to live life full of Christ. So he says, I know that you will remain and continue and I'll continue with all of you. So what, what did, what did he want him to continue with that he wanted to continue in their progress? He wanted them to have joy in the faith. So through Paul's testimony and release, you will have more than enough cause to glorify Christ Jesus. You know, so, and I think we see that when we pray for something and we see God break through, especially something according to God's will, it's a powerful thing. I'm sure they were praying for him to be released. And when he's released, it glorifies God. It stirs up excitement that he lived and didn't die. All right. Philippians 27 through 30. So this one is Paul's instructions on how to conduct yourself. Point at yourself. Say yourself. That's me. Okay. 
So verses 27 through 30, it says, Only let your manner of life be worthy of the gospel of Christ, so that whether I come and see you or am absent, I may hear of you that you are standing firm in one spirit with one mind, striving side by side for the faith of the gospel and not frightened in anything by your opponents. That is, that is a clear sign to them for their destruction, but of your salvation and that from God. For it has been granted to you for the sake of Christ that you should not only believe in him, but also suffer for his sake. Okay, let me read that one more time. For it has been granted to you that for the sake of Christ you should not only believe in him, but should also suffer for his sake. Verse 30, engage in the same conflict that you saw I had and now hear that I still have. Okay, so we see in this right here, right out of the gate, you know, let let us let let your manner of life be worthy of the gospel of Christ. So if I were, I could preach. I mean, we could stop right there, and I could preach a whole sermon on that. Does what you do in your life reflect a life committed to Christ? Well, right now I'm at church, Pastor. I ain't talking about church. I'm talking when nobody's around, when the world's watching, but Pastor knows he's not there. Hmm. Well, Pastor, if you were there, I wouldn't do that. Well, let me tell you something. You know where the Spirit of God lives? Mm. He's always there. He's always seeing. He's always watching. And what, what does Paul say here? He says, you know, if I'm present watching you or if I'm absent not watching you, that your conduct may be that that honors Christ. Now, I should have good, I should have confidence, especially in my church folk, that you're acting right when I'm there. Yes, Pastor. Well, what about when I'm not there? That you should still be conducting your lives in a manner worthy of the gospel. Conduct yourselves, right? That's something that you have to do. You have to put in place. You have to apply the discipline, right? Don't compromise. Don't settle for things that aren't pleasing God, right? All right, Paul states that, that if I'm absent from you, um, you know, stand firm. So he, he adds a list. What should you stand firm in doing, right? Because you could just say stand firm and I can preach that five million different directions, right? He actually gives us a list. He says, stand firm in one spirit. So what is that? That's the unity of the spirit. That's being one in Christ. Number two, one mind. So that means the way you think, your thoughts, right? Be united in the way you think. So we need to be united in one spirit. We need to be united in our mind. Now, that doesn't mean like we're robotic where we all think the same, but our thought process should be a mind that is regenerated by the spirit of God and is thinking on the things of God rather than the things of this world. You ever have gutter thoughts? Don't lie to me. I know you do. Gutter moments, that's what I call it. Like, man, like, where did that come from? And then you kind of got to flip the switch and say, Lord, I rebuke that and I'm going to get out of my head. And like, what? You know, sometimes the devil will, will do that, Right? Is that only me? Come on. Right? Okay, I'm just making... It's like everybody got quiet, so I said, man, I just confessed to something nobody else is dealing with. No, right? But it, one spirit. So we know that we are all filled with one spirit. If the Holy Spirit lives in me, I know what the standard and the expectation, and he says he will teach me, he'll show me, he'll bring to my remembrance everything that Jesus said. That's what allows us to be one. 
To have one mind, that means to think on things that, that are pleasing and honoring. How do we renew our mind? Guess what? Back to the word. By meditating on God's word, we, are, we, we renew our mind. This is what sets the standard. Don't just say, well, you know, I was watching you know, something on Facebook or hey, hey, I saw, you know, uh, I had somebody tell me one time, hey, I got this cool thing. I was watching it, man. It was really, really good. I was, well, who said it? And they're, and they're like, I got it on TikTok. <laughs> Not saying there's not great people communicating things on TikTok, but please, for the love of Harvest Time Church, <laughs> do not be basing your doctrine off of TikTok. Okay, now if they give you a scripture reference or they're saying something, hey, this is the ultimate fact checker. Okay, you know, and we see that going around. Hey, that's a that's a fact, or hey, that's false, or like always go back to the Bible. Don't build your doctrine around just something somebody says. Even as a pastor, I try to do the best I can to base it on scripture. If there's something you're kind of like, oh, go read it. Hey, I'm just flesh and blood, guys, trying to do the best I can to encourage and teach. Right? So always go back. This is the fact checker. So we renew our mind by, by reading the word. It also says strive side by side for the faith of the gospel. Like that. We're a team church. We're a, we're a, we're a family church. We, this isn't no solo command. This is, man, you know, Red Rover, Red Rover, let that devil come over. We're all standing arm linked, ready for whatever he has because we're going to stand side by side, arm linked in whatever he has for us. Because we know that in that standing side by side in unity of the what? The faith, fighting for the faith, that we will stand victorious. Pity the man that fights alone. Right? And there's a whole bunch of scriptures that one fall, if he falls, shame on him. There's nobody there to help him up. Right? So that it talks so many things about doing it together. But I really like that side by side for the faith. That's what you should stand firm in. So stand firm in the spirit. Stand firm in one mind. Stand firm standing side by side for the faith of the gospel. Uh, next, don't be frightened in any way by your opponents. Guess what? This is not a house of fear. This is not a place where we are fearful, where we fret, where we're worried about the outcome. Let us stand bold and courageous. It says he has not given us a spirit of fear, but of what? Power, love, and a what? Oh, sound mind. Kind of redundant. One mind, a sound mind, a solid mind, confidence. A little bit of churchy arrogance because we know that we win. Right? But when we stand united, this stuff happens. When, we, when we're not frightened and we understand our place and we understand the devil's place, it changes everything. Yeah. You know, we were talking about praying and being aware of things. It's not that I fear anything, but I need to be aware of everything. Yeah. Right? It's not a fear thing, but I don't need to be naive saying, man, the devil's trying to do something here. Hey, there's the door. You can leave. You have no place here. We need to understand what is happening around us. But that doesn't mean we live in fear. But don't be naive. Right? Got me? All right. And it says, it has been graced or granted to you to believe and suffer as a follower of Christ. So what does that mean? Man, it's not always going to be easy. It's not always going to be convenient. But God is going to be good. God is going to be faithful. If, if we, we know this passage, Matthew 16, 24 through 26, it says, take up your cross and follow me. In, in following of Christ, we will experience a measure of suffering as Paul did. So know what season you're in. You know, that's been something that has been a blessing to me. I started realizing everything in my life is a season. I love the sweet seasons. I hate the sour seasons. Like, oh, Lord Jesus, come quickly. But everything is a season. But God is wanting to do something in my heart and in my life or for his glory in every single season. 
So if it's good, respond accordingly. If it's bad, respond accordingly, that God may receive all the glory. So I'm going to give you the final principle. So if I were to break down this whole first chapter of Philippians 1, number one, he who began a good work in you will carry it on to completion until the day of Christ Jesus. You got that? God don't get halfway and then say, oh, I'm going to give up. Halfway through the puzzle, oh, I missed too many pieces, too complex. Right? Some of us feel like that, like God is not going to complete it. Guess what? He's going to complete the work. Right? Until he comes back. Number two, persecution catapults the church forward. You're like, well, Pastor Noe, how bad do you think it's going to get? I don't know, but it's going to be good. Yeah. Are you crazy? Yes, because I'm in the church. <laughs> if you're outside the church, man, it's, it, you know, when persecution comes, it catapults the church. When struggle and conflict happens, guess what? Either the church rises or the fake church is revealed. You're either going to stand, you know, like the whole thing, like, hey, we're going to decommission the church. No, the church went remote. We went to our homes. We're in homes. We're meeting. You cannot destroy the church. You can destroy the building. You can destroy the church. If, if this whole place got leveled and we're sitting on the slab, I hope you still show up because we are the church. It's not the building or the lights or anything. Thank God for it, right? But the, the building is not the church. We are the church. All right? But it's gonna, persecution is going to catapult the church forward. Number three, most importantly, Christ must be preached. It don't matter any way you shake it. Well, you know, come on. Christ has to be preached. Number four, for, for to me, to live is Christ and to die is gain. I got to make that up in my mind right now. If I live, I'm going to live for Christ. If I die, I'm going to go see him. It's that simple. You know, I hope there ain't no doom and gloom at my funeral, right? I ain't worry. I'm, ain't got to worry about me, right? You know, like if I'm gone and before the Father's presence, but if I live, I live as Christ. If I die, I really receive ultimate victory. And lastly, conduct yourselves in a manner worthy of the gospel of Christ. So what does that mean? You got to stand up with me. We're going to close. That means think about what you do before you do it. You know, I remember when I was in youth, when we were youth, we were dumber <laughs> than hopefully we are now. And we just made some stupid choices. And I remember getting so mad. I'm not going to give no names. And if he was here, he'd know who he was because I tore him up. I said, before you do something stupid and you have our name on it and you reflect our church, think about it. Well, I didn't look at it that way. Why well, I looked, about it, looked at it like that? Because people would come to me and say, hey, your boy from... Not going to fill it in. Uh, you hear what he's doing? It's like, oh, man, I had to go over there and clean it up. And, you know, jeopardizing the testimony of really Christ. I was nearsighted then. I was thinking it was just our individual church. But really what it was doing, it was not really communicating the church. And I think that's, that's what frustrated me. I'm not saying be perfect. I'm not saying never mess up. But live your life in a way that is worthy to the gospel of Christ. Be real. Be transparent. If you're going through something, don't lie about it. Well, how'd that beer get in your hand? Oh, yeah. <laughs> Pastor Noe put it there. No. <laughs> Come on, man. Like, you know, There's going to be things we have to be real. Just because we're going through something doesn't mean that we've arrived. But don't pretend to be something you're not. Because it'd be so much better to say, you know what? I've been working on it. Let me tell you how I used to drink. 
you, you mean drinking in moderation is okay? What does your Bible say? I'm not going to preach on that. But you got to know what the Bible says. Mm. <laughs> Pastor, what chapter is that in? <laughs> you got you to know what the scripture says. But then there's this whole other side of the picture about a personal conviction that changes all the rules. So there is expectations in the word. There is clear guidance as far as what God expects and sometimes what God demands. But then there is sometimes a personal conviction. What do I mean by personal conviction? Just because it's allowed doesn't mean you should do it. There's some things that, that are allowed by scripture that you will never see pastor know we do. You know why? It's better just to avoid it at all costs because then I save myself a hundred questions. And if I'm not careful, it actually ruins my testimony to preach or teach on something. Say, Pastor, how are you preaching on that if you're not living it? Well, guess what? Thank God. I'm going to use the word most things that I preach also practice. Is there a handful of things that I continue to work through and I'm growing through them just like you? Absolutely. Because you got to understand, man, I'm just a man like you called to pastor a church. That doesn't mean I'm perfect. And I would be stupid. I'm going to use that word. Just think I got it all together and, oh, it's easy or I should have everything together. You know, right? That, that's not, that's, that would be wrong. That would be stupid thinking. But we need to find grace and strength and confidence in who Christ is in any moment, in any season and conduct ourselves in a manner worthy of the gospel of Christ. And this morning, I would just challenge you. Say, God, what is that? What does that look like for me? And then when he shows you something or he reveals something, do it quickly. Don't sit there and rationalize like, Lord, if that was really you, I need another sign. You ever done that? Because <laughs> you didn't like what he told you. Like, Lord, one more time. That's really you. Well, we've all done it. It's super funny when we're really honest with ourselves. But the work that he has started in us, he will bring it into completion. Was that first chapter so bad or was good? Is this just taking the scripture, reading through it, saying, man, that's good. Go. I want to encourage you to go back and read it. Chapter, just chapter one, you can do it. Read through it this week and see what else God shows you. You may come back and say, man, you shared on that and God showed me a whole bunch more there, man. They're right here. Like, hey, that's what he does. Because the word is effective, it is powerful, and it works every single time. Some of you don't know what to do. If you're not reading your word, that's what you need to do. It's one of the best things we can do. How do I grow? Read the word. How do I know what the standard is? You read the word. How do I, how do I regurgitate scripture like you do? Guess what? You got to put it in there. Right? Whatever is put in, God can pull out. Good, bad, or ugly. You know that? Because the things that we put in that aren't of God, guess what? He's got to pull them things out. But we filled ourselves with things that aren't what God wants. But let this be a week where it begins to change and we begin to fill ourselves with the things that really, really matter. Can all of y'all please commit to read chapter one? I'm going to put it on the Facebook page. We're going to remind, come on, one chapter. Hey, you start binge watching something, pause that joker before you read it. Come on, one chapter. Put that Bible somewhere that will just, just bust you up. I'll put it on top of the remote. Come on.
Put it on the, I'll put it on your keys. I don't put it somewhere where you're like, where I put my keys? It's under your Bible. Just remind, make your wife remind you where it's at. But make sure we do it. Come on. Can we all do it? One chapter. What if you don't do it? What are we gonna do? Pie you in the face? Explain. Let me pray over you. We'll get out of here. Lord, I thank you for your goodness. Father, I thank you for your word. every single line, every single word. And Father, that there would be a clear understanding in what it says. Father, I break the lie of the enemy in this place that says, I read and I don't understand it. Father, I pray that from this moment forward, that it would be understood, that it would be applied, that it would become a part of who we are. Father, give us an understanding of your word. And Father, then give us the power to walk it out and to live it for all the world to see. Lord, as we go from this place, I pray you bless us. Father, I also pray that you'd give us the courage and the strength if we are called to endure suffering. Not if, when. <laughs> we are called to endure suffering. Lord, that we would suffer well. Lord, I thank you for your grace. I thank you for your provision. And God, I thank you that we can trust you. this morning, if you came in here with a specific prayer request, you said, man, I really didn't get a chance. I wanted somebody to agree with me in prayer. We have prayer teams available uh, to you uh, and just be free to come up. If not, you guys be blessed. We love you. Hey, remember growth track next week. You know, that's one of the best things you can do to continually grow. Um, so sign up for that. If there's anything we can do for you, let us know. We love you. Be blessed. See you guys next week. Hug somebody's neck before you go. Thank you for joining us for the Harvest Time Church podcast. We hope you've been encouraged and empowered. If you'd like more information about our family, please write us at 42 FM 2540 South, Bay City, Texas 77414. Or check us out on the web at harvesttimebaycity.com.